combat time. I'm one of your hosts, Yasin, and I'm joined by Jay. Hello, hello. And Josh. What's up, what's up? And just to point it out, this is our 30th episode of Combat Time. 30th damn episode. We made it, guys. 30th episode on the 30th anniversary of Mortal Kombat. Well, not exactly on the 30th anniversary, but close enough. Yeah, we're in 2022. Yeah, so. it's on the, it's on the, we're in the month. We are in the month, and uh, we are in, you know, the right year. Uh, and and uh, this episode will release, God willing, on our very own Mortal Monday. I guess you could say. It will. Our plan yeah. is to have it out on uh, Monday, and that'll be a Mortal Monday. You can edit this out if that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so how are you guys doing? Doing good. I mean, we literally just talked uh, yeah. yesterday, um, but doing good. Did we? Yeah, we watched uh, what we're talking about tonight. It wasn't yesterday. That was yesterday, yeah. That wasn't yesterday, dude. That wasn't yesterday? Yeah, it no. was. Oh, it's Wednesday. What the fuck did I do? My- oh, right. I slept for five hours yesterday. Never mind. <laughs> I've slept since then. So... So two days ago, but I'm doing good, apparently. Cool, cool, cool. Jay? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing okay. I've just been busy. Um, Just, you know, doing house things, spending money, and doing more house things and spending more money. Seems to be my life so far these days. Yeah, Jay was telling me about that before he came on, you see. And it seems like every every conversation that starts between me and Jay, if if me and Jay are on first, always starts, at least from his side, with uh, house repair stories. Home ownership yeah. stories. We are getting. I know it's so depressing. Remember, like ten years ago, we would just talk about like Godzilla and Ultraman. Yeah, whatever. Internet. Now internet we're just drama. Them, like, man, I gotta replace my water heater, and I need to get a new couch. And yeah, I got shingles. <laughs> Kidding! Wait, I don't. What? I don't have. Wait, I don't have shingles. I was just joking. <laughs> You may, I mean, yeah, yeah, you, you, you might get it. What is it? If you had chickenpox as a child, you are susceptible mm-hmm. to you carry the virus, right? I have had chickenpox as a child, yeah, so I, I guess I will get shingles at some point. I heard they suck. Yeah, me too. Fuck. So well, that's a gross. Let's not talk about that. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about a different type of gross. God, is it gross? Yes. As far as gore, I mean, a lot of gore. But yes, today we are going to be talking about the latest animation movie to come out of Warner Brothers Animation, which is Mortal Kombat Legends Snowblind. Yes. Which is a story that focuses on Kenshi and Sub-Zero. Get it? Snowblind. Snowblind. Oh, I forgot to do my fucking bit. Damn it. Well, you can do uh, it. The too late now is going to be my how you're doing thing. and I, I totally forgot to do it. That's okay. 
Good podcast. Good podcasting. Yeah. Hey, man. We're, we've been doing these. We've been cranking these out uh, this this month. So you can. 30, 30 episodes. episodes. Yeah. I, I love that we're doing episode 30 on uh, the release of Snowblind. I'm going to start this off by throwing this directly at Jay. <laughs> what, what did you think of the movie? <laughs> um, I. Oh, by the way, that, wait, before you say that, we're going to say that we're going to do our general thoughts now, non-spoilers. And then after we get our general thoughts out, we're going to give a, you know, we're going to let you know that we're going to go into spoilers and the rest of the review is going to be spoiler heavy. So, Jay, what do you think of the movie? So, from a non-spoilers perspective, <laughs> um, I uh, I think I can safely say that this is my favorite of the three animated Warner Brothers Mortal Kombat movies that have been released. The first two, of course, being Scorpion's Revenge and Battle, of, and Battle for the Realms. Uh this movie do, does look a bit does look a little bit different um, than the other two. Uh, you absolutely can notice it when you uh, when you absolutely look at it. Uh, voice acting, I think, is a little bit better, and it does a couple of different things um, in the Mortal Kombat lore that I haven't seen before. And honestly, I I really enjoy it. Uh, it uh, it's not doing anything in particular that i haven't seen story-wise but that's not that's not always you know like a bad thing in a lot of cases that can actually be a good thing if you basically tell a story that is that uh, that is never broken like it's just something you can just tell and even you can predict it like 20 million miles away it's just like you know what there's a reason why people keep retelling the same kind of thing it just works and this film to me keeps things a bit um at least in my opinion a bit more simple but i enjoyed Mm -hmm. it um it's i think out of all out of all three of the movies that that have been released by warner brothers in the past couple of years snowblind is the one i'd be very much excited to watch again so those are my general non-spoiler thoughts on it yeah pretty equal to jace uh thoughts i think it's my favorite and the best critically of the three maybe uh I did, when the trailer came out, I did rewatch both of the first two. We all know what we thought about the realms, and my thoughts didn't change in that much. It was, a, it's a mess of a movie. Uh, way too much movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had issues with one when we first watched it, uh, before this podcast started, because we haven't actually done a proper episode on Scorpion's Revenge. But, one, One day, day we will. Um, after we get through the other uh, media, like uh, Legacy and all that, and, and catch up to it. But yeah, uh, I do think I have my issues of it still, but I do think it's a solid movie. And I think I appreciated it more when I watched it. And so it might be neck and neck with this, but this one is... There's very little wrong with it. Uh, I do have some issues of it, but uh, and I even have issues. I'm not sure whether I like the animation or not. We've we've critiqued the animation in the first two movies plenty, or the art style at least, and this is a completely new style, which is refreshing. Uh, new character designs. Mm. It looks. I said during the trailer, and I hold to it maybe a little bit now, almost a little cheap. Like the lines are definitely well defined. That it feels sketchy, which I guess might be a style. Uh, instead of uh, deficiency. But I also noticed uh, low frames. I think you remember me commenting on, except when they get to the battles, and then the battles go, like, super uh, smooth. And for the most part, the battles are, yeah. are well staged, 
presented, except for one, which we'll talk about when we get to a spoiler thing. Uh, but overall, it is is a classic hero's journey movie with your classic grizzled badass uh, mentor character, aka Sub Zero. I don't think I don't feel that's a big spoiler. Uh, with so there's nothing revolutionary, but it's a solid uh, foundation and some pretty fucking awesome uh, set pieces. And overall. I think it's the first time I sat through one of these anime movies and felt like, fuck yeah. Like, now I'm excited to see uh, the next Mortal Kombat Legends, where I wasn't with uh, Battle for the Realms. So, fuck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm along with you guys. I I really enjoyed it. So, like I said, I, I, I like Scorpion's Revenge the more I watch it. And Battle of the Realms, I haven't watched since we watched it, I think. Uh, I may have watched it one more time. I'm not sure. Um, but I think I like this movie the way that Jay enjoyed Battle of the Realms, where it's like it gave him what he wanted as far as like the kaiju battle and all that stuff. And it's like it had that, so it's great. Or so it's fun. And I think I had that for this, where it had story elements and stuff that, like you guys said, it's uh, tried and true. Like it's kind of, it's kind of stuff that we've seen before. But I think they did a, they made a good choice of like simplifying the story and focusing on a certain number of characters instead of having everybody and not having enough time for everybody. Like I think they made it a more focused story, and also it's good it's cool to have you know a story focused on characters that you don't normally get focus on with Mortal Kombat. So I liked I liked having Kenshi be the the main hero of the story. That was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, the animation and the art style, the art style is, I like this art style better than the previous two, just cause I could never stand how they did shading in that, yeah. in that, those movies that always bugged me. Um, the animation is definitely like, you can tell like when they're talking stuff, they cut corners with that, but which, which makes sense. But then when they did the animation for the fights, it's like, it, I think the fights look better in this than they did in the two movies maybe maybe on par with scorpion's revenge maybe. yeah because the scorpion's revenge has it, it is fights. hard to to top that the beginning scene in scorpion's revenge where, where uh scorpion just murders all the lin Kuei people that that left yeah. an impression we'll talk that. about it in detail the different fights yeah. but uh overall yeah i just like i just really enjoyed this movie and i think it's the best one of the three and like you said i I'm very much looking forward to what they do with uh, the Legends movie series. Uh, if they continue on this path where they're like, you know, focusing on a certain characters and giving them yeah. more of a hearty story or more of a focused story, I guess, and simplified story, but still making it Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Which I think was fun. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed the movie. I liked it a lot. Like, for each of these, there's been a larger story, especially with Battle for the Realms, but they still try to make it, I guess, a Legends. Like, Scorpion's Revenge was Scorpion's story, but it basically was a retelling of Mortal Kombat 1. I wouldn't consider Battle for the Realms a character-focused story unless you consider Liu Kang. Maybe it's a character study in him. Uh, but this, really. I mean, I, that yeah, it's, you're really reaching to, to describe it like that. But this one... yeah. Is definitely through and through a Kenshi story, 
even though it does have a very uh, a larger plot, uh, which we'll get to in our spoiler thing. But I think it succeeds in being way, yeah. fo- way more focused for sure. I don't know if they'll do another one like that. Like I, I don't want to keep see. I don't want to see nothing but origin stories continuing. Like I don't want to see a uh, fucking Bill Wright show where we see Bill Wright show as a fat little baby that can't stop drinking and burping. Um, <laughs> actually, that might be pretty cool. Um, actually, that would be amazing. <laughs> it's like, but like tie in some way to have a character focused story in a broader MK tale. I think is the formula to go with. But I feel like they can't really like, for example, if they did like a Bill Wright show focused movie. They would have to go into Origins, like, that's not someone that's known. I mean, Kenshi is just as known as, as Baracho. They are both in 10. They both came from Deadly Alliance. What more do you need? But the, wouldn't you say this is an origin story? This one most definitely is an origin story, for sure, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying God, you, yeah. you have to do an origin story for someone like I Baracho. just don't know if I'm like... Well, I, I, I would love to see more character-focused movies, especially if they pick main characters that aren't you know scorpion and sub-zero but i also i don't know if i look forward to seeing an origin story over and over but i will say this one succeeds in being a little bit of, of both it's 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 got a broader story in it so if they keep doing that i'll be happy i guess as long as it's not like the scorpion story over and over again then i think right i mean scorpion's yeah. revenge was a great telling of scorpion's origin for sure yeah, but we don't need to No, know for fuck's sakes, no. Um, we've seen it. We've seen Scorpion's family die almost as many times as uh, Bruce Wayne's parents die now. So, enough of it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, uh, I mean, I think that there will be more of these types of movies, for sure. I guess it just depends on how successful that they are. But there's always going to be the fundamental rule when you make these films. They're never going to be the films that you think would explore like the deeper aspects of MK lore that you kind of want because there always has to be a couple of formulaic things you have to have. Like, you know, the popularity of certain characters is going to be a factor, which is why, you know, like Scorpion and Sub-Zero are pretty much in everything. Um, really no matter what just because these are the popular characters uh this film took in my opinion some pretty good uh paths away from away from that to a degree not like fully but it did some things that i was actually pretty surprised about because it actually is taking Mm -hmm. like it has a bit more risk to it it's telling a simpler story with less characters which in and of itself is a bit of a risk because when you think about it every there's so many characters in mortal kombat now you're never at this point. You're not going to satisfy everyone. I, I think um, that's that's why I feel weird about doing a bunch of origin stories because yeah, there's so many characters in Mortal Kombat. We could do it all day. Yeah, but you're gonna have you're gonna have to splice in other. Uh, you're gonna have to splice in characters from Mortal Kombat games, even in the origin story. Like like if you did a Bo Raicho origin story, guarantee you like Fujin. Um, and Raiden are probably going to show up in there somewhere because these are immortal gods. So they can, so like they can do that. You're probably going to get some Adenia stuff since they, since time works differently there. So you'll probably get a splash for Katana um, and rain probably of all people. If you're talking there, a splash. Um, 
yeah, a splash. Like, uh, uh, right. and I do mean that word splash, like pretty, like yeah, like pretty literally, because these characters are going to be there, even if they have no dialogue and basically do nothing to the story, other than someone can point at the screen and say, "Oh, it's that character oh. from that game or that." Comic. You mean like what happens in this movie? <laughs> we'll get to that. Yep. Spoilers, <laughs> but I'm sh- you know, yeah. there are some characters that are just there, which was fine. I'm still happy. Yeah. Fine. Should we uh should we just get I into I think so. It? Yes. So uh spoiler alarm doo, 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 to break the glass. We're going into uncharted territory. Yeah, if you haven't watched it, uh go pause this, go watch the movie. Yeah, yeah, don't don't shut off the episode to go watch the movie and don't come back. Please come back. Yeah, come back and listen to our thoughts. We want to tell you what you should think about this movie. Because you might be wrong. <laughs> what you should think about. What you should think about. Well, I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm, I'm going to say this is going to be unanimously seen as uh, the better, better than Battle for the Realms movie. That's uh, it, it. Seems to be everyone's opinion so far. Yeah. So go watch the movie. Come back and get over here. Hey, there you go. Yeah, get over here. So where should we start? Boy. Well, how, how about a quick outline of the the plot? With what we think of it, and I'm sure we'll go off off the into the weeds all over the place. I got the per I got the perfect outline for the plot right here. It's literally two sentences. Uh-huh. It's great. Um, as Kano and the Black Dragons wreak havoc around the gro- uh, globe, a young warrior named Kenshi will ru- will have to rise above his own limitations and take on the looming threat of Outworld. Jay, that's like the DVD description. I don't. <laughs> I think he literally got that from like IMDb yeah, or something. That's Yasin Yasin is correct. I'm literally read read that from IMDb. I will say it's an unexpected I call it the AU alternate universe Mortal Kombat because I mean I gleamed it from the trailer, but you know, yeah, this is a post apocalyptic Mad Max world. We kept we've said Mad Max more than one time while watching the movie. And uh Kano is is the big man in charge. Uh and Is it is it Earth? They never explicitly yeah, say, but yeah, actually, doesn't uh, Kwai Lang says, let's save Earth Realm in the trailer. I think he says it in the movie, too. It is Earth. Jay's right. Uh, yeah, it's Earth. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know how far, maybe far stretching, because we come to learn that the reason the world is, is come like it is, is because there was a giant uh, uh, revenant outbreak. It was a zombie apocalypse, apparently. Kind of neat. Which they... Do they explain why? At the oh, end, they do, uh, kind of. Well, the, they do, like they do, and they don't. The only thing we know is that, like, the whole thing is, of course, caused by Kano. But notice that, like, the revenants are in flashbacks, and they're obviously in like different visions of people. But you know, throughout the course of the movie, it's like it's been dealt with. There's no revenants in the movie. Like, like spoilers: Sub Zero killed literally everybody. Yeah, but he killed, like, everybody in a city. Like, these things were, we, like... We don't know how far that ice blast went. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 one of the problems I have with the movie, is that not a lot of the setting setting up is clear. Yeah, that's true. Even though they do the whole, like, you know, reveal at the end, it's like, there's not much as far as, like, uh, setting, as far as, like, you know, when this is, how things happened, why things happened, like, or, you know, what the extent of things. Like, I don't know how much, you know, Sub-Zero's blast went or, you know, how they got rid of all of the Revenant. Yeah. Or, or exactly, like, how did how did Kano 
get a hold of Kronika's, like, crown anyway. I mean, we can only assume that uh, he won MK11 and he got the crown. <laughs> and this is a continuation. See, they don't, they don't, like, really, they don't really tell us. And see, like... Th- I don't really feel like that they need to, because all these questions you've seen are valid questions, but they're questions that involve, honestly, an entirely different movie or an entirely different story. You, this is sort of this movie was had to be focused on Ken, like like uh, Kenshi's origin story and just the aftermath. It is it is very much a like, hey, this is like the aftermath of some event that we never saw the story to fully. Yeah, in an animated. Well, I like how we dropped the Chronica Crown thing. This is right in the beginning of our spoilers section, so. It's a spoiler section, no build-up, but yeah, the, the totally fucking, I didn't know that spoiler, and I was amazed to see it, uh, but the, the whole, the whole setup, I mean, this, this can definitely lump into the movie's faults, it's, the whole Revenant thing literally just exists to, one, explain why the world is the way it is, and two, give Sub-Zero something to, to have traumatic in his past, which is also a painfully overused trope, that's the... That's the 80s action movie thing where there's the one side character that's so badass, but he doesn't use his power because he, you know, he killed somebody, you know, accidentally and his, his, his men go out, you know, on a mission and he stays behind and they get in trouble and they're surrounded. And then all of a sudden the, the buddy comes out and saves their asses and they're like, you son of a bitch. And then they do the predator handshake with the biceps. I'll be honest. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for that though. I criticize it, but it is. The word phrase I use, tried and true. It's, it's, you know, it works. It's, yeah. it's, that's why the hero's journey is also a tried or true thing. It's a story element that works. And they, they took that and put yeah. Mortal Kombat characters into it. So continue. I cut you off. Pretty much. But, but yeah, I feel like if we didn't have the Revenant stuff and we didn't have Kronika, the focus could still be on Kenshi and Sub Zero and Kano. And it would still, work yeah i feel like that stuff was added just to connect it to i will tell you like i I mentioned it at the end of the movie it's like the chronica reveal was kind of neat but at the same time based on the trailer i was kind of digging the idea of no kano just managed to take over this post-apocalyptic world by himself by by his own cunning and not time fuckery but you know he is kano he's not that smart so (laughs) But Kano is also kind of like, he's an opportunist. He's one of those villains where, like, he will never, like, he'll never pass a physics test, <laughs> but he will ki- he, he will manage to kill the guy uh, that gave him the physics test, and he'll somehow, like, write in the fact that he got an A. Like, basically, oh, yeah. he's the cheater that knows how to cheat properly to get what he actually wants. He's an opportunist, and that's, I think that's, wh- I think that's why I like Setting Kano. Setting up Shang Tsung as his lackey when uh, the trailer made it look like Shang Tsung would be a secondary, even maybe like the final villain, the way they, they show him getting young in the trailer. Whereas here, he's subservient to Kano because Kano knows all his tricks from having Kronika's Hourglass, and Shang Tsung gets his fucking you know, youth back and then gets killed. And I'm like, wow, okay, well, never mind. No Shang Tsung. That was a pretty surprising I, moment. I mean, I will say that's, that is... That was the one. Th- that was one of the few things that I liked about the Chronica time uh, loop thing was that I liked the idea that you know, for the whole movie, I was wondering how how did how did how did Kano, you know, overpower Shang Tsung? Yeah, and 
I liked that it was a thing where he was hinting at it. Yeah, because he said he said you you commented on it too halfway through the movie. You said like he said something about you've done this before or something like that, and I was like, well, Legacy did a did yeah. a repeat timeline thing. Maybe this is doing that, and we had no idea that Chronica thing was coming up. Yeah, yeah, but I figured it, it had to be something to do with like time travel or something. Yeah, they hit at that. Yeah. They hit at that pretty, like, actually pretty bluntly, which I'm surprised, Josh, you didn't pick it up. But, that, like, it was very, very I mean, bluntly. I thought they were doing something like like with a, you know, repeated timelines reincarnation. I, I didn't even think Kronika. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, I, I didn't really, I, I admit, I didn't know it was going to be Kronika either. But the fact that Kano said that, oh, yeah, you've done this before, or like, oh, yeah, like, uh, I figured that this was going to happen again. That kind of already signaled to me, like, okay, Kano is doing some sort of, like, multiverse hopping, if nothing else. Like, that's where I thought it was going. I didn't think time travel. I'm like, okay, this is an alternate universe, and Kano, in some universe, got swole and decided that he was going to jump universes, and he's sort of seeing patterns, which in a way, made me happy because I'm just like, oh, so no matter what reality that you are in, Shang Tsung is a backstabbing bastard every single time. And I just feel like that this is like a core to his character. He's the number two lackey man that is always planning to betray you. Like, always. He's never not. He's he's Starscream. Like, that's who he is. In Mortal Kombat, he's Starscream, (laughs) which I find fun. A little more powerful than Starscream, though. We'll give him credit. A little bit more credit. Not in this movie, though. But you know what I mean. I know what you mean. And my other thing is, and I know the answer to this, but if I got a hold of Chronica's Hourglass and I can somehow reshape all of time to my liking, or at least live through it so many times that I know, you know, what to do every time. I know he said something about wanting to make a challenge for himself, or maybe that was an MK11, but why, why live in a fucking desert wasteland? Wouldn't you want to make the world a little bit more, you know, I know you want to be, you know, powerful over everybody, but, you know, wouldn't you want to make, you know, you're the dictator, apparently. Dictators always have the posh mansions and swimming pools. Give yourself, you know, some manicured lands. I think that just caters to his personality. Yeah. Like, he's always going to be that person who wants to rule in the dumps, like. It's a, you know, it's like you, Josh. <laughs> you like being in like the dive, dive I like the bars, dive bars, like yeah. Hole in the wall thing. Yeah. Like even if you had money, you would you would have a house that wasn't spacious. You would have like I've a, changed a little bit. Like well, like I said, my, my my fantasy dream is a mansion, like a mansion with uh secret corridors and all that stuff, but that'd also be scary to live in them. So. But the room that you would stay in the most would probably be the the, the And you know room. what you see, you are exactly Correct on that. You know me. Yeah. And yeah. plus, I mean, maybe at some maybe at some point in his life, Kano saw Mad Max and was like, hey, I want that life. Well, I think it is. It's just the, uh, this planet, or at least this region full of people with limited resources are easy to subjugate, and that's what he likes the most is having power. And I guess he does have a yeah. fancy pad, quote-unquote, his little fight club thing, but it's still nasty. It is definitely like one, some of the bars I, I like going to, so uh, I guess, yeah, I guess he just likes that. Yeah, I think that is his style, really. Like, if it was Shang Tsung, it would be more of a regal-looking place. Probably very cathedral-looking. It'd still be a wasteland, probably. Yeah. But I do like, I do like, I do like the choice, though, that they decided that Kano 
would be the main villain. Not basically not Shinnok, not Shao Kahn, not Shang Tsung, not some overly thing, which actually to kind of like go a little stray here, my wish list for the next Legends movie, let's make Nobunaga um, or Onaga. I believe that's the yeah. guy's name. Like the dragon dude. He's too big um, though. I would like. He's like the, there's already like rumors that he's going to be the villain of MK12. And he's like the natural step up from Shinnok. I don't know. We did we didn't like Battle for the Realms because they did too big, or it's too big and too much and too little movie, I guess. Or you could do like another movie with like actually one thing I'd like to see is Kotokan. I think yeah, um, do Kotokan because he could be way more interesting because he's not one hundred percent the bad guy. So we could actually see a conflicted, realistic person of power who might you know be in a position to yeah. be an antagonist, but still has sympathy that would be really interesting and also you could make the entire focus of that movie if they go with this sort of like less is more kind of like format for you know that they've done for snowblind like with lesser characters make it a 100 percent outwards like outward story out outward, outward, um, outward well yeah story. i guess if you did do a bo Raicho origin story then you could see adenia and you could see like little little uh katana and little melina and like the beginnings of outworlds you know Edenia's uh, capture and all that stuff. And maybe just like life yeah. in Edenia and then life in Outworld or something. That could be cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually... That is something that I, that I think for this movie, I liked its restraint because it decided to go with a character like Kenshi and we don't even see any of the original Earth Roamers. Like, none of them. There's no Liu Kang. There's no Sonya. There's no... Well, there is a Kano, but, there, but there's no like... Uh, uh, there's... Uh, there's no, there's no Raven much in this Earth movie. Earthrealm characters no besides Scorpion and Sub Zero are pretty much have no place in this story, at all. Like, which that kind of brings me back to like why Josh, I don't think that they're going to do origin stories too, too much. Because if they did, this is just me just being blunt. They're going to have to find a way to then inco- like to actually incorporate Scorpion in there somewhere because he's he he's the MK mascot. And I mean, they did that. It's here. time to talk <laughs> about the elephant in the room. Um, so. I appreciate the restraint they had by not making Scorpion as prominent as he was in Battle for the Realms. Uh, And I fucking loved his fucking reveal and his design and his everything. And then he kind of didn't spend too much time, like, even though he's invincible, he is the invincible Cal. As you pointed out, Jay, it's like, where's the tension if Scorpion literally can't die? Uh, he did kind of stay out of the fight. He just felt like a side character to the point where you really didn't need to have Scorpion in this movie. You could have taken him out of the script and you would have, you would have eliminated that little foreshadowing of his kunai on the wall and hinting at this neat relationship. I didn't even put that together. I did immediately. I recognized it right away. I'm like, that's Scorpion Spear. Yeah. But like, I like the idea of what their relationship has become since, I guess, uh, Battle for the Realms. I don't know if it's canon connected to that or not, because I wanted to bring up, too, if this is canon to the other two movies, didn't Kano die in uh, Scorpion's Revenge? Or did he get out of there? I can't remember, and I just watched it last month. I don't think these are connected like that. Yeah, I was about to say, Josh, like, think of this, don't think of this movie canonically. This this is this is a big, huge, this is a massive, huge what-if. So I shouldn't and think of this Scorpion and this Sub-Zero as the same ones that became buddy-buddy in Battle for the Realms then. 
No, but what you can think of it is, which I thought of it, is that this is a possibility of what oh. their future may be like, it potentially potential in like another game. I will say, like, even though I love Scorpion and Sub-Zero best buds forever, I love this because it feels more like what their relationship was, Kwai Lang and Scorpion, by the way, specifically, in the original games, where they weren't like best buds forever. Scorpion's still punished, he didn't fix his shit. And he is kind of this gar- this hellish guardian angel instead of best bud. And he is literally summoned from... He- Sub-Zero just says, fuck it, I'm burning down my farm. I'm calling out the big guns. I'm summoning Scorpion. That's uh, that's another problem that I have. You didn't like that he burned down the farm or you didn't like that he lived on a farm? No, no, no. no, no, no I know no, what you're going to talk about. The, 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 so, the routine? Waking up? Doing the same no, animation? No, Go no, for no, it. Okay. That's not it either. That's not so in the movie, uh, Sub Zero or Kwai Lang uh, is kind of recluse, and he's you know in his, his farm, and he's you know doesn't use his powers because he you know okay. in the past he basically used too much of his power and basically to you know to defeat the the Revenant, but he also killed all of his clan yeah. basically, um, and he has like but recurring nightmares of you know being chased by Sub-Zero and uh, being killed by Sub-Zero, then it turns out that it's him that's killing himself kind of a thing. Um, so when, you know... To be clear, being chased by Bihan. Well, that's what he thinks. Yeah, but it turns out it's him, yeah. Then he takes the mask off. It's yeah. him, yeah. Um, but then, you know, when Sub-Scorpion shows up, because Sub-Zero wants to, like, you know, you know, go all out, Scorpion says, like, did you uh, did you lose control again? And he said, "Not, Not yet. yet." Something like that. It doesn't say. It doesn't. They don't say like where. Like what was that relationship? Like what? I think it was just a badass way to say I'm gonna fuck shit up, uh, and a promise. No, but the, but the, it made it seem like there was a promise that or a deal or something that was between Scorpion and Sub Zero. There was, which is why he was living in that. You know living on the farm well, or whatever. Like what was Scorpion what was Scorpion like uh doing? I don't know. What was I the, think, his part of the Yeah, I, I, I know I know what he was doing. Okay. Yeah. What was he doing? Yeah, so what Scorpion was doing is that Scorpion is basically think of Scorpion in this one as sort of like a grim reaper collecting his dead. Um at some point uh Sub Zero lost control and in order to I guess you know, bring himself back from the brink at some point off screen, he made a deal. He made a deal with Scorpion. And and the the details of that deal, I do not know what it is, but when Kenshi convinced yeah. Sub-Zero to basically fight, that he actually had to unleash his stuff, that means that he uh feared that he could lose control again. So he summons so he summons Scorpion to basically collect on some type of debt from their deal that he but made. But as Scenic says, they don't really explain well, what, what I mean. that debt is. And I remember you saying that. And or what the, what deal, the deal is. is. And I kind of agree with you. It's like not, it almost feels like that should have been like foreshadowed a bit more, but maybe then it would have felt too forced. I am a fan of things being left a little bit mysterious. And yeah. this is also going off of our familiarity with the characters. So, you know, it's kind of going off probably of Scorpion swearing to be Kwai Lang's protector during MK2 and 3. So maybe that's just it. Like, anytime you need me, bro, I'll take a vacation from hell and fuck shit up for you. Okay. 
And he hasn't needed him because he's been living this peaceful life on the farm. And maybe he doesn't want to bother Scorpion too much either. Now, maybe he has a limited amount of summons he can use. I don't know. Uh, but now, now he needs him. <laughs> it it kind of it kind of made sense, though, that I think Scorpion overall was there just basically to be a check on Sub-Zero so he wouldn't lose control again. Because, sure, I don't, maybe Sub-Zero could just walk into the city and go... Well, to- they could have done something like that, but they didn't do that. No, they didn't. But it to me... I got the picture clear enough. And, you know, you see, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. Some like these are like the, like these are valid questions that you're asking. But these are things that take place in different at different parts and characters past, which is effectively an entirely different movie. Like it's a different movie. It's not it's not pertinent to the here and now. Just know that Scorpion's here. We have help. We're going to go. We're going to go save Kenshi, and we're just going to be badass while doing it, and then ask questions. How could have you clarified the Scorpion thing a bit better? I I got an answer, even though I think I'm okay with the the way it's vague in the movie. Add it to the dream. He has a dream like three fucking times, right? Have a thing like in the aftermath of him killing everybody. Uh, Congratulations, Patrick. We saved the city moment where Scorpion comes out and, you know, gives him a reality check and says like, what the fuck have you done, bro? Or something. And maybe show them glimpses, just glimpses of them making some sort of pact. And that would have, that might've been a little bit more impactful when we see the spear and and Kenshi asks about it. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. I, I, I just feel like the way, the way that they revealed stuff like that made it seem like they would explain it a little bit and uh, i think the reason they didn't is because they were expecting you to as a mortal Kombat fan to be like do the the leo dicaprio pointing at the tv screen meme every time they they bring something up yeah and that and that is something about this movie that i will say that like uh it imagine and I kind of feel sorry for some of you about this. Imagine if you played Mortal Kombat 1, 2, and 3, and only 1, 2, and 3, and nothing else, and then you watch this movie being the first animated Mortal Kombat anything you've ever seen. You, sir, are going to be a little on the lost well, side. chances are, <laughs> um, if, you, if you've played only a couple Mortal Kombat games, you've probably played 10 and 11, and you'll know who Kenshi is. Well, the thing that, what, why I feel like it wouldn't be a thing, like the whole, you know, Oh, if you know, you know, doesn't always work is because like we're already living in, we're already watching something where Kano is the big bad. He's the ruler. That doesn't happen in any of the other games. Well, technically it does. From what I remember. Uh, Neil actually pointed this out uh, when he and Corey reviewed it uh, ahead of us. Uh, And I think I already knew this because I think Jay laughed at it but I never beat in the game. If you beat MK11 of Kano, it's pretty much a prequel to this movie. As he takes over the world, uh. he makes two ladies battle in a fight cage, which happens in this movie, although way more horrible, where he fucking just kills them. Uh, and I think something happens where his life is is too easy and he wants to give himself a challenge, which is probably why he made the world a shithole by introducing the Revenants. So... It is kind of, it does kind of reference. So that's why Chronica's there. This this movie might literally be a sequel to Kano's ending in MK11, technically. But how many people play, like, play the game and beat as Kano, Kano? Right. Or as any of the other characters aside from Well, you know, you can watch all the endings on YouTube, so maybe some Mortal Kombat fan. Wait. How does Kano have an ending? What do you mean, how does... Oh, because he fucking dies in the story more... 
he dies in the story mode, but you know, if you beat, you could beat him in the ladder, you know. Oh you no. Know. The only ending in the Wait, story. Wait, do they have endings in the yeah, ladder? Yeah, dude, they have endings in the ladder. Rambo has a fucking in ending. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone himself reads his the, own I've ending. Never... Wait, the ladders? The, 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 the tower? I guess the character, ladder? the character towers. Or the arcade ladder. I can't remember now. I haven't played Mortal really? Kombat in a hot minute since we had our haunted game through playthrough. Dude, yeah, dude. You own this game on two systems. You never, yeah. you never got an ending? Because, yeah, the story mode, the only ending always... is Liu Kang or Shang Tsung. I played the, the ladders just for the traditional fair. MK get good experience and just to practice of the character. And, and, yeah. I haven't done the ladders since. Every like, ending has this really cool like this, sort of uh, uh, still, still, I don't know what to call it. Uh, it's like slightly moving. It's still art, but it kind of moves to imply emotion. And then. Oh, so it's not fully. It's not animated. fully animated like MK4. It, it's like it's like slideshow, but they they're moving. They're like floating. So there's implied motion, and the whole ending is narrated by the character. So if you beat the game as Rambo, Sylvester Stallone goes, "Well, I got Chronicles Hourglass," and I can't do it. Sylvester Stallone. Oh my God. Not shitting you. Go play more MK11. Okay, I guess. so see. I think I think my thing was that I assumed like oh the story mode is a story mode and that's kind of it that's the as of every that's... Mortal Kombat there's there's a bunch of different combinations of non-canon endings and like I said I think this movie just took one and ro- rolled with it oh I didn't know they still did that yeah honestly. I still do that I thought they stopped that at like nine no every nine. single Mortal Kombat game. That's a fighting game. Every single mainline, I don't know about versus DC, but every single mainline Mortal Kombat game has a, a ending, a, a character ending that might not be canon. My mind is blown. I thought they, I thought they moved away from it once they did the whole cinematic. No, story man. Thing. I mean, that's the, I mean, that's the joy of Mortal Kombat. Well, now I need to go back and play. There's a canon ending, the and there's game. the fun endings like "Have a Nice Day," "Raiden Destroys the World." So I got Chronicles, Crowd. <laughs> And I went back in time, and I prevented the Vietnam War. You, <laughs> you always did the better Sylvester Stallone impression. <laughs> yeah, one thing I did want to address, you like, because I know we were like kind of talking about all the different aspects of the characters, but I did want to point out a little bit here that the um, the art style change from the previous two movies, right, right. and how much, generally yeah. speaking, I think it's an improvement. It's not perfect. It still has some clunkiness to it that I think is it's kind of like unavoidable because it just depends on the overall budget of what these movies are, which I admit I don't know. But I instantly noticed from the beginning of the movie that the backgrounds had this sort of like um, rough palette texture designed to them. And it was using this so consistently. I'm like, somebody really likes a particular brush in Photoshop. And I, and I can't remember what it's called, but I know what it does and I know what it looks like. And uh, like seeing that again and again and again, I was like, okay, there's some consistency here. But you, and even like the characters have this really hard black outline that's kind of sketchy. Yeah, that was the like first going thing back I to noticed. old school Disney animation when they did that, like when they like when they actually uh, did that in 101 Dalmatians, though not as sketchy as that though, because that was a bit diff- that was a different era and a different technique. But they. I I instantly gravitated towards it because you have this sort of textury 
um, kind of scattery looking backgrounds everywhere that are very warm and cool colored depending on the tone. And then you have just these like flat opaque colored with um, basic opaque shading, but hard sketchy black outline characters to blend it all together. And it's easy on the eyes. Like nothing felt jarring. Nothing felt too stylistically like out there. Um, and generally speaking, I really like. I really kind of dug it. I think it's an overall improvement um, than uh, than the previous two movies, and I hope they keep it. I was because I didn't mind it at all. I was a little jarred at first by the 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 very strong black outlines. Like it, it just stood out to me, and I couldn't. To me, it looked cheap, but I guess if I'm thinking like you, it would look nostalgic, like old Disney. So I guess it's not necessarily bad. And I certainly got used to it uh, as the movie went on, and. There's not a single black colored shaded knuckle in the whole movie, which is great. And I was about to say that <laughs> that was more distracting to me than the hard black. Yeah, outline. it really was because I stopped looking at the hard black. I just accepted the art, whereas I can't stop looking at the goddamn yeah. knuckles. Um, and also the character designs. <laughs> you know, I was getting used to Scorpion's Way design better. in the past two movies, kind of ugh, but. I was getting used to him, but here yeah, yeah, yeah. he looks fucking awesome. Holy God. Can I just take another Scorpion moment and say how fucking awesome Scorpion... Holy shit. <laughs> like, I accidentally saw a clip of Scorpion already before we watched the movie I mentioned, but I didn't notice the, the spawn cape he has now. Like, initially I thought, like, mm-hmm. oh, they made him look more like MK11. Uh, That's kind of cool. He's got more of a hood and everything. But holy shit, yeah, he's got a fucking flowing cape. He is he is Spawn. I mean, that's he's got. I think he's inspired by Spawn. Or who came first, Jay? Did Spawn come first or Scorpion came first? Uh, I think um, I think Spawn came first. Spawn. I mean, Mortal Kombat came out ninety one, ninety two. So I thought Spawn was more mid nineties, but maybe not because the movie came out ninety five. Well, you're also talking about Todd McFarlane. I mean, he was doing characters like long before he ever did Spawn issue one. So. It doesn't matter. I mean, obviously the real inspiration for Scorpion's Ghost Rider. Um, but holy shit, Scorpion's spawn in here. And as you pointed out, you see when Sub-Zero, when Kwai Lang puts on his ninja uniform, he looks pretty badass too. Well, everyone looks badass. He, lo- he looked awesome. And honestly, I think that was, that was probably without a doubt my favorite thing about the movie was seeing old man Sub-Zero and presumably old man Scorpion saying... F this shit, let's go and just kick some ass and take some names, and they just do their walk like they are just, that they just I love it. that whole scene. Sub-Zero's outfit, yeah, oh, I love it too. I love the fact that Sub-Zero's outfit had no blue in it. Yeah, it did, well, no, his, yeah, so, his mask had a little blue, didn't it? Yeah, but it, short it's time like, but there's, but like usually with any Sub Zero character, whether it's like where it's like whether it's Kwai Lang or Bihan or whatever, there's always a the predominant color of blue, which makes sense, you know. I get that, but this was like the first time I've seen it not that because again, it's like he's donning an old cape that's just you know that's rusted over time, and it looks like it does. And honestly, I'm here for it. I thought that was cool as hell. Um, I can say that I think that I actually thought Sub Zero's outfit looked better than Scorpion's, but that's just more of a practical reason, like Sub. Scorpion is like way up in the heavenly lands of just cool and badass for no reason. I mean, like he has he has wind that'll just blow on cue, like whenever he wants it, just to make himself look badass. That's just that's just who Scorpion is. And then of course he can like teleport 
at a whim, and he's the only character that can do that. And then, of course, he can't die. And of course, he has the most basic "get over here" scream like ever. So I'm just uh, like, that was a good get over here. I just look. Uh, it was very menacing. It was. Get, but I, get over here. Yeah, yeah. But it, I just, I kind of look at, I kind like, I, I just look at Scorpion as like the cool kid that's OP that is indisputable. Like he is like the golden boy, the gold standard because he's the mascot. Like, uh, I kind of look at that. Like, if any, if any character has plot armor in any Mortal Kombat, it's gonna be Scorpion. Yeah, uh, I'll agree with that. And I, and I will say, as a Scorpion stan, as much as I freaking jumped up and down when I realized what Sub-Zero was doing when he burned his farm down, Scorpion could have not been in this movie and I would have been just fine with it. In fact, I, I challenge Warner Brothers to not have a Mortal Kombat story, to have a Mortal Kombat story without Scorpion in it. Do it. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah, I agree. Gary. We had a game. We had one single um, game without him and it was a pretty cool game. And then they had to add him in it again. Uh but I don't know. But I, I liked he, he was a little bit more step back in this at least, and he was he was impactful. I loved it. I mean, speaking of designs, I also liked the traditional Sub Zero suit design that they have here. Oh, uh, when he was in the I flashbacks, mean, it's, it's kind of yeah. It looked pretty close I to. I mean, it's 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 to it's, the Scorpion's Revenge, right? I guess yeah, but I just liked how it was rendered here more than in those movies. Well, it doesn't have black knuckles, that's for sure. Um, but. I will say, for us, you know, starting this podcast by saying, oh, it's great that, you know, we got a movie that didn't focus on Scorpio Sub-Zero. We talked about Scorpio Sub-Zero a lot. <sighs> we haven't talked about Kenshi at all. Damn, you're right. I guess that just proved, damn, if Warner Brothers <laughs> listen, they're like, mm-hmm, taking notes, more Scorpion than Sub-Zero. Gotcha. Taking notes, I guess, more Scorpion. They're just going to make more Scorpion I do want to point out, yeah, Kenshi was but, interesting because he's not the Kenshi we were used to because he is young. And this is the origin story. He's the young and brash and cocky Kenshi. Cocky Kenshi. Yeah. Um, CK. <laughs> and uh, I almost didn't like him until I had to make myself be like, this is an origin story, Josh. And at the end of the movie, I could see him as like, this is a young version of the Kenshi I know. He is becoming, you know, Zen. He's he is learning. learning. He's 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 maturing, and taking the teachings of uh, Kwai Lang and the 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 whatever the sword's called. Lin Kuei. Lin Kuei. Yeah, totally non-canon uh, origin story in a, you know of his training, but that's fine. Like I, it's an alternate universe thing. I I kind of want them to mash up different ideas to tell altered altered yeah. altered versions of MK lore. You know, we just talked about lore, uh, which yeah. Kenshi too. Um, there are some inconsistencies there because mm -hmm. this telekinesis we're not we haven't done uh fucking uh deadly alliance yet but to my memory i think i mentioned this before uh kenshi learns this it doesn't get his telekinesis from the sword or from whatever he get he was taught it by air mac because in the 3d games he uh. saves air mac and air, liberates him i'd say soul but he's like a million souls and for a brief period, Air Mac was a good guy now because he's free of Shao Kahn's hold, and in and we all know he had telekinesis with green energy. So that was his payback to Kenshi, as he taught him telekinesis. So here, right. here it's different. I also wasn't okay. sure if I liked that the sword let him see his little uh, sonar vision, but I, I became okay with it because like it. it's not. It's only when he's holding the sword when he's because I like the idea of. 
his his senses of space are so good because he's lived so long without a sight and that's just how you do you develop your your other senses uh but i was okay with it because when he's not using the sword he still does have to rely on on hearing it's only when he's got the sword in hand does he start to see that that vision i mean that's and that's what that's what you know the whole training montage was uh, yeah, teach him to about pay attention to his surroundings. He's, 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 you know, yeah, and you're not going to always have your sword on you, so you need to learn how to defend yourself. And you know what? And be have spatial. Yet fires. again, another uh, cliche: the 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 training montage. But you know, what? I was okay with it. I was it okay was, with it. It's pretty cool. I love a good. I love a good training montage. I, I I'm a sucker for that too. Yeah, yeah. The training montage was good because, of course, you get to see how Sub Zero just um um. Or Kwai Lang actually had all the like all the perfect ideas for how to like teach Kenshi to survive in the world. But you know, in a way, I I really was sort of like hoping to kind of get like I understand why they couldn't go too deep into it, but I was uh, like I was kind of like getting my heartstrings pulled a little bit because I'm like, oh, look at Sub Zero. He's he's basically lived as an old man out here for like ever, and now finally he has like company, oh. and you can tell that he wanted Kenshi to learn what it means to live and then there's even that part of the movie where he's like hey let's not save people let's go back to my little farm and we can have like and we can have a good life and in my brain i'm like yeah like at the end of the day sub-zero man he was just lonely he was just a lonely dude (laughs) and he really actually ended up like was had actually bonded with kenshi you know to a degree i thought that was kind of neat i kind of wish they would have explored that a little bit more but i did love that part that that element though that that yeah he wasn't training him to go beat the bad guys he was training him to survive in this world and he didn't want him to get yeah. involved with the thing, and and so now Kenshi teaches Sub Zero the 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 valuable lesson of you know being altruistic, and that was once again cliche, but totally love that they they inserted Sub Zero into that, and it works. And yeah, maybe he just was lonely. I was also gonna comment when they're, I like the one. I felt the training montage. I felt like Kenshi earned it. Like it, it didn't feel like they uh they blew through it too fast, and. Two, uh, yeah, it was just comfy when they were sitting there in the cabin after a day of training and Sub-Zero stirring a soup. And, and the, the main thought I had was, man, soup? That's it? It's like my least favorite thing to eat. I know we like talking about food, right, Jay? Uh, yeah. It's just fucking soup? That's all you're making? Give me some rice. I get social. I get to socialize. I go out into the city and watch people get beat up, you know, sell my fruit. <laughs> and I like how they hinted so, though uh, like they didn't show this but I like how they hinted at it and it was enough where like he would go into town and he always had all this fruit and even when Cabal and his goons were like this is a lot of this is a lot of food like where did you get this and he says nothing and in the back of your brain you're like wait desert wasteland Sub-Zero can control ice ice is water which means that Josh you could if you were Sub-Zero you could like you'd be fine out there because you basically are you have unlimited water because you can just summon well, ice and melt it and then water your. All I don't your know if that was an implication or not because you know if he used his ice to water, if he used his ice to water his garden, he might all of a sudden have a PTSD flashback and kill the whole city, uh, according to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, yeah, but I mean, like you know, at this point, he hasn't really like done that. So obviously, if he's not in a fight and he's not under the pressure of like staying alive. 
I just, I just going to assume that if he's teaching Kenshi all this stuff, that he can, he can like create an ice ball, put it in a bucket, wait till it melts, and just water his plants. I need to go back and watch. Uh, which uh, I'm wondering when this is going to come out in HBO, because then I'll be able to watch it unlimitedly if it is coming out in HBO. I want to watch that scene and and see if I could pick up something from it. Also. Weird, weird science question applying to fantasy, you know, uh, magic ninja movie. But if you're in a dry, arid climate, you know, assuming when Sub-Zero cryomances and makes his ice, he's pulling, you know, a lot of times it's depicted he's pulling moisture from the air. Would his powers be limited if he's in a dry climate? Makes you wonder. Uh, Well, well, Josh, the answer is yes, but movie. Movie, yeah. That'd be interesting. That'd be a Sub-Zero story where, like, he's in the desert. Oh, no, he's, he's got to just use his fists. His ice powers are, are limited until there's a rain. Ugh. Any any, any other uh, highlight moments or highlight characters? Do you want to highlight all the fucking character? Nope, we haven't said a goddamn thing about Cabal, and he's he's pretty prominent in the movie. Old, old chunky yeah, Cabal. Yeah, actually, like... I was I was I was getting to that like probably like um, I mean granted like the main characters I think were cool but I I think my MVP in terms of just like cool factor characters is Tremor Cabal would probably be a number two but I really enjoyed Tremor in this movie because they redesigned him they made him just basically like big burly rock dude with a big burly rock dude voice and honestly I was here for it I thought it was just cool I liked I liked seeing him and I liked his uh I liked his fight with Kenshi and yeah like I like how he's basically the last resort for Kano until Kano decides he wants to step in. And um, I kind of want to see more of that tremor. Like I was generally like, why can't I have this tremor in Mortal Kombat 10? I got this like, I got this basic looking dude with rock, like basically with rock, like with rock, like with a rock texture on him, which he looked cool, but I kind of want what this movie gave me. I want the, I like, I want a world where the, where like Tremor and the Hulk merge into one being and we get that. Well, so I want, that's what I, I want. want my Spawn and Scorpion merger, uh, character skin. So, you know, maybe we'll get these in MK12 of enough, uh, fan clambering. Maybe we'll get a Tremor, a Lava Tremor and Spawn Scorpion. And I guess Cabal is just Cabal merged with a couch potato. Yeah, but I mean, he's old. Boom, you get that. You get, so. you get a little thicker when you're old and I like it. Yeah. I did like... Uh, yeah, he was cool. The whole... There was almost a bumbling side villains uh, relationship, it felt like, with Cabal and uh, Cobra and Kira, is it? Um, yeah. Kira. I, li- I like their banter until... Uh, yeah, a lot of, lot of fucking um, knockoffs in this movie. Cobra was cool to see, even though I barely... I don't fucking... I just know him because Neil likes him. <laughs> I haven't gotten to his game yet. And, uh, yeah, he dies pretty quickly. Spoilers. Kenshi kills him. Kira, Kira and Cabal last pretty good. Kira lasts almost all the way up to the end. And so does Cabal. But then we get, like, all those people we were excited about. No Face? <sighs> Fuck do you do? No Face got no-faced by Scorpion. Ferator. Ferator. Yeah, Ferator. They did stuff, but... They they did one thing. Uh, Tor... Ferret Tor. Tor got his arm froze, busted off by Sub-Zero and he threw Terra at him and she was wailing on him and then they both get killed. Something they didn't do in yeah, X because it... I guess Ferret Tor. Farah is a little girl or pygmy or whatever or maybe I think they did it because it's difficult to do fatality on a model that's two people together but here yeah she fucking 
dies very quickly. And uh, so does her big man. And uh, I don't know, people, people are hearing this. This is something we, we said that we wouldn't want the movie to do. And they did do it. You could interchange a lot of the characters and they could be anybody. They did throw in a bunch of MK Rogues galleries to get just fucking murdered. I'm, I was disappointed a little bit in Aaron Black. Because I like Aaron Black as a character. And he didn't say a goddamn word. He did a couple cool things. Just spinning his revolver in the background. And, uh, yeah, then Scorpion gives him a grueling fatality. He took it like a boss, too, but still. Yeah, but, I mean, that's why, like, I kind of, like, like I like the idea of bring it up. Someone like, uh, uh, someone like Tremor, because Tremor's a character that I, based, until 10, I had no idea who that was, really. Uh, like, but Aaron Black just has that kind of, like, cool... Fact He's a cowboy. Like, I think Everyone likes instantly... cowboys, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody likes everybody likes cowboys, but you know, Tremor is just like, hey, I got rock powers, which feels kind of like not not as creative as Aaron Black is. So I was happy to see that they actually gave him a bit more personality because I had never even heard the dude talk all that much. Like I had no idea what his character was, but in this movie, because he did talk and Aaron Black literally said nothing, just by default, Tremor had more character, and I kind of liked that. And so did Cabal too. I mean, I was I, like, I was generally impressed with these sort of like alternate versions of these characters for the ones that actually had character because they had dialogue. Yeah. Um, for the ones that just didn't speak at all, I have no idea. But you know, it just because like these are like these movies tend to like throwing fan service and wink at fans in certain ways there's references so they'll just and some are more obvious than others i think my favorite my favorite cameo was one i didn't even get you know spoiled about or saw in the trailer but just out of fucking nowhere was drummond and you guys didn't know what i was talking about i'm like holy fucking shit it's drummond and then he dies right away and then and then everyone's favorite black dragon jer uh, jerick i yeah, love jerick. that he was in oh there. yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um didn't we see when they showed the flashbacks to the Revenant, didn't we see a Revenant of Luke Kang or something? Uh Nightwolf, or you pointed somebody? out. Nightwolf, yeah. sorry. And yeah, I didn't I didn't catch Wolf. it. Uh but you said it. Uh I listened to Neil Neon Corey's coverage and they caught it too, so that's two that confirm or J's three, four, I guess if you count Neon Corey's two people. So that means yeah, definitely Nightwolf was in there because once again, feels like it's definitely trying to be like a hey, this could be technically tied into Eleven because Nightwolf was a Revenant in that, at least his past self was. Yeah, yeah. I I was looking on IMDb and just seeing if I recognize any like voice actors. Uh, the only one that I recognized was the voice actor for Cobra. I knew it when I heard. It. I was like, he sounds familiar. So he's Yuri Lowenthal, who, uh, if he played the PS4 Spider-Man games, he plays Peter Parker. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I was shocked when because I could have swore that when I first heard Tremor's voice, I thought it was Kevin Michael Richardson because he typically does like these sort of like big sort of deep burly voices for a lot of characters. Uh, sometimes for Warner Brothers too, because uh, he like he's he's a pretty well known voice actor. But after a while, I was like, eh, that that sounds not enough like him. And then of course, I find out um, it's a guy named Amari Williams who did great. I don't know if that man has done anything else, but <laughs> I'll definitely. I mean, keep... He's he's in Demon Slayer. Oh, he is. Oh, so he's part he of the plays, dub. He he plays 
Season Judo Rengoku, which I don't remember which character. Oh, Rengoku. Rengoku is uh, the Flame Hashira. That's who Rengoku is. That's pretty cool. Uh, okay. Yeah. He's also in Castlevania. He does it. Well, but they do like he's he does like additional voices. Nothing specific. Yeah, I mean, like to me, the best type of voice actors are the ones where you don't like you don't recognize their voices. Um, mm. So maybe like you just kind of like don't know. But of course, the more you recognize them, the more you're like, oh, I like this person. So it's just it's a weird it's a weird sort of mentality with voice actors. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, like, but I've never heard of the guy who voiced Kenshi though, like Manny uh, Jacinto. Yeah, I think he's an up and comer. Jacinto, and I, I think Maybe, it's Jacinto. Manny Jacinto, or Jacinto, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, he he does seem like he's. It's, it's been a lot of it's stuff. IMDb credits. Uh, oh, Top Gun, fucking shit, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, Neil mentioned that too. He was a small character in that, apparently. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's his biggest thing. And uh, Mortal Kombat Legends, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, at, at least mentioning yeah. the voice acting. I mean, I already kind of like gushed. Like, I already kind of gushed about Tremor a little bit, but, like, overall voice acting I thought was actually pretty okay and fair. I think if I had to pick my favorite one, though, I think Sub-Zero's voice actor was well, the Well, I wanted to bring him up because there, there, there are two surprise voice actors and that uh, that I noticed. I'm like, wow, holy shit. And uh, Sub-Zero's is not the same guy that voiced him in the past two movies. This one is uh, voiced by... Uh, Ron uh, Yuan, I think how you pronounce his name. He's notable because he voices fucking Scorpion in MK11. Ooh, okay. So when when oh. when they when they you know have their lines together, once Scorpion Kwai Lang summons Scorpion, you're listening to Scorpion talking to Scorpion. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And the other cool one was the guy that voices uh, fucking. Uh, Kano is, uh, let me double check, make sure I ain't lying here. Uh, yeah, David uh, Wenham, uh, who was the bard in uh, 300, the, the guy that narrates the whole story, the guy that says, it's just an eye, sir. And now he's playing a guy that also has lost an eye. And apparently he's also in the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh yeah, I don't fucking care about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> he's in Iron Fist. He's he's been uh, in a bunch of stuff too. Harold Meacham. Huh? Harold Meacham. Who's Harold? Wasn't that the Jay, you watched some of Iron Fist, right? Uh some of it, but it's been it's been a minute. I think he plays the father to the two like bratty rich kids in that. Huh. The one that was supposed to be like dead or something and then you find out that he's not or something. I don't remember. Yeah, like, honestly, man, I I barely remember that show. I think I watched, like, two episodes, and then afterwards I kind of checked out. <laughs> yeah, that show wasn't great. I don't even know what show um, you're talking about. But, yeah, I, I just wanted to point out some of the voice actors. But, I mean, if you want to know, have a breakdown of the voice actors and stuff, you can definitely check out MK PodQuest. Cause yeah, absolutely. They, they kind of specialize. They went through most of them. And I, I think they repeated the two trivia points yeah. that I just did, but... I had to mention those because, yeah. holy shit, it's a guy from 300. Holy shit, it's Scorpion and Scorpion. Those are just too neat to pass up. Yeah. I just like that Cobra was Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, that's... Okay, yeah, Cobra, you said yeah. Yeah, is, uh, who he was. It's hilarious. Um, but back backtracking a bit, uh, what did we think of uh, Kanchi's storyline with the fact that he was, you know, cocky 
and then gets beat gets beaten to a pulp by uh tremor which by the way like tremor well cabal cobra they all fuck him up yeah kira they were well he 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 beats them up first because they were trying to you know take over the city because they were sent there by kano to like monitor or like to like make sure they're you know under his rule but they were thinking oh we should take this over ourselves you know go independent and then you know kenshi comes in beats them up they go back to kano kano sends tremor to assist them tremor beats the crap out crap out of kenshi very classic samurai story nurse going on here yeah oh but before quieting oh sorry i missed the part where he gets beat up by tremor and then shang sung who's watching from the sidelines picks him up and tells him about the right. seal because he because he hears his name when he introduces himself he says he recognizes the name as the family who sealed the legendary sword or whatever yeah um and then he gets him to you know open the seal with his own blood which open which you know releases a bunch of like souls which Shang Tsung absorbs becomes young again in the process blinds Kenshi and he tries to you know go back to get any kind of help faints in front of you know Kwai Lang's farm Kwai Lang you know brings it back to health enough to him to try to stubbornly get away but uh, go you know leave but he can't and then basically convinces Kenshi to train to let him train him to use you know his other senses and not to rely on the sword kind of a thing. yeah uh what did you guys think of how they did his story i was pretty happy with it uh i mean once again traditional hero's journey as far as lore loyalty yeah. now i'm not i'm not the champ on uh the 3d era lore games so but I, from like yeah. i already knew the the thing about Aramac, which uh i'm pretty sure i'm accurate on Pretty sure he does lose his sight, opening a well of souls, I mean, going blind and finding the sword. I don't know if Shang Tsung is instrumental in any of that, so I think that there's a little bit of alternate universe right, pairing. Right. But overall, I like it. I mean, once again, I didn't feel like he was given his powers. I did feel like he, honest, even though I had some, like, I wasn't sure if I liked him being able to see through with the sword. It felt like he earned everything. I like that. He felt like he earned everything. I didn't like him in the beginning, and I don't think I was supposed to because he was a cocky little son of a bitch, but he matures. And I, I think I like it. It's a standard hero's journey, and I think it's loyal to Kenshi. It, you bring up a good point, though, you seen because now thinking about it, like when you were talking about his story, there is one thing about his story that I admit I didn't like, or in this case, you know, kind of like how you brought up about like uh, questions about how things... How did like how did Sub Zero and Scorpion make the deal? This is one yeah. I think that the movie could have addressed a little bit better because it ties directly into Kenshi, the main character, and that is like when he gets beat up, and you know Shang Tsung posing as another person um, says like, "Hey, I can give you this power," and he he gets he gets that note in his head because of uh, Kenshi's last name, which is Takahashi. And so he takes him to this place. They open the, like, basically the soul well or whatever, but they do it. But apparently it's been sealed by someone from Takahashi's bloodline. So you've got, like, some kind of 
a little bit of like chosen one mentality kind of going here. Where like, you know, Takahashi is apparently a name that resonates something about how that well was sealed in the first place. And of course, they talk about the sword, the swords at the bottom of the well. And that, that sword is even mentioned as a powerful legendary sword. But once Kenshi actually gets the sword and he can see with it, the movie kind of like goes on a forward trajectory with the plot and doesn't really explore any more of the Takahashi pass or even the past of the sword other than Kenshi saying like, hey, the sword's name is Santo and uh, and it talks to me and I can summon it. Is that what the sword's but name that, is? But they kind of leave it there. Yeah, he said it like three times. Yeah, Santo. Wouldn't that be fucking badass if El Santo was inside the sword? And if he swings it, he comes out and wrestles everybody. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, but like, yeah, but uh, but I kind of agree with Josh that overall, I thought his story was a pretty much by the numbers hero's journey kind of thing. Like he's cocky, but he finally gets checked, and then he learns something from old mentor. He learns how to use his powers from Mentor, and then he sees people in danger. He wants to go help him, and his mentor's like, no, you're not strong enough, or you don't want to fight them. And he's like, no, I'm going to actually use my power for the greater. It wasn't even like he's not strong enough. It was the uh, Pa Kent, uh, Jack Schneider Pa Kent thing. It's like, no, don't, don't help other people. Help yourself. Stay alive. Yeah, pretty much. But I kind of wish they would have at least dived into a bit more of Kenshi's past about like maybe he has some sort of a you know like basically like some sort of um natural talent to wield the sword because of his last name that's kind of where I thought it was going but they didn't really sort of like address it too much and I kind of feel like that's just the limitations of um of either like the deadline of when the movie had to be done or for its length because with how many other things that we brought up that we feel like could have been addressed or sort of our wish list of questions that could have been answered they're not going to be able to do them all and some of them are easily forgivable because they don't really add too much to the overall plot moving forward but I think that one with Kenshi you could have added something that to kind of address like why it was his blood that opened the you know like basically the uh, the soul well to he, so he could even get his sword. Yeah, that kind of like adds a gray area that they never even talk about again. That's like my only flaw with that story. Definitely a runtime. I feel like if they took some, if they took, if they took some away from the Chronica, you know, time chamber fight and put a little bit more time into like explaining that. That could have balanced it out a little bit more. Yeah. Because like I said, the Chronica thing yeah. is a neat little twist, but I almost want to see a universe where Kano does all this shit with his own cunning. On his and own. that would have been just yeah. a true alternate universe Mortal Kombat story, and they could have diverted more time to this. But it is a runtime thing. Same thing with the Scorpion uh, Pact. Yeah. And this, this is an hour and a half movie about... If it would have been just... A, yeah. you, it is an hour and 20. Yeah, oh, but... wow. If it would have been an hour and 50... Boom! They, they, you could add some shit, but I feel like I mean I, th- I still think that it the like it was Kano's own volition to be able to manipulate that. Like I mean, yeah, he got he there. got there. He beat Kronika, I guess. So good job, Kano. Uh, I wouldn't been able to done it, and you don't want me with a time time hourglass. What the fuck would I do? God knows. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Like, I don't I don't mind that. Like, uh, they didn't explain how Kano won or what manipulation he did. You just know that he won. We don't know why Sub Zero and Scorpion or what deal that they made. You just know that they like made it because, again, Josh, you're talking about making it like an hour fifty. That's true. But I actually think that one thing that uh, that makes this movie good is that it actually had 
pretty consistent, pretty well-timed pacing. Because if you add all this extra layers of stuff in it, then you risk the movie dragging. Like nothing yeah. annoys me more in some movies where the whole movie comes to a screeching halt because they have to tell you the backstory of this thing that doesn't really propel the movie forward. It just kind of explains like why two characters know You need each a other. real master uh, filmmaker. Uh, think of Kill Bill 2. Not that... Not that I am gushing over uh, what's his nuts, Quentin Tarantino, but think about Kill Bill too, where I forget what's happening. And oh yeah, she's buried. She's being buried alive by Bill. What's his nuts? And uh, not not the Bill of Kill Bill, but Bill Matson. Um, and then all of a sudden, time for a flashback, and we get her whole flashback about her being trained by Pyme, if you recall that. And and when the flashback ends, she breaks out because she remembers the five finger death punch to escape the coffin. Great, I think it's perfect. It's a neat little pocket of backstory in a narrative that, yeah, it doesn't it does drag, but it's a very fun detour like we often take with our discussions. Uh, maybe maybe Mortal Kombat Legends series is not the place to try and do that, but I'm satisfied maybe. with uh, what we got. Yeah, yeah, I am too. Um, Very much so. Speaking of designs, um, I know it's like it's his. He has like Kenshi has like a simple sort of wanderer type of design where you know he has very simple clothes and he has like a cloak or a cape around him or whatever. But I like that, and also I realized that I've drawn that character a few times, like just randomly. I'm like, hmm. oh, I want to just make a character up. And I'll draw someone that kind of looks like that, where it has like the, the cape around his his neck or whatever, but looks like kind of like a hoodie. So that's why you, like, you were drawn to him. What would you call it? Like a poncho thing? Poncho sounds good. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but with like you know, a red shirt and like dark pants or whatever. Like I kind of drawn that a few times. See, I'm I didn't pick up on his design being that much altered. Like I thought, like that looks like Kenshi, but I guess. He usually has more like, of a bodysuit. He has like a more of a bodysuit and tan. Yeah, bodysuit type of thing. And I forget. Yeah. I guess it's similar. And yes, I guess this is different. Yeah, but like he doesn't have quite an iconic look. His most iconic thing is his headband and his sword, or I'm sorry, his blindfold and his sword. And he's got that. What does he look like in the three in the PS2 game? Like pretty much like in ten, from my memory. I don't know if his outfit's exactly the same. Yeah, but he's a dude. He's got. You know, kind of wavy black hair, and he's got a blindfold, and he got he got a sword. Where's Kenshi? Takahashi. <laughs> but I have to go back and look because I, I I have no doubts. Everyone had a fresh new design in this movie, so yeah. But I liked it. It's simple, but it was cool and you know a little bit mysterious. I like. Yeah, it. yeah. He's a drifter, like a wanderer. I like the wanderer design. Yeah. So he's like a Ryu, a Ryu kind of right. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. And once again, classic trope: the wanderer. It's done in the westerns. It's done in the samurai. It's a wanderer that comes in and saves a town from tyranny. Yada yada. Once again, classic story, but it you 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 put in Mortal Kombat characters into it, and it becomes fun. Not that it isn't fun already. Pretty much. And sometimes there's nothing wrong with that because hey, if it works, it works. So long as it's actually like, you know good and it's told well i have no problem with them doing this um you know outside of like the wish list of what i would want them to do next but we already talked what about other that tropes earlier. they could do they a romantic comedy with johnny and sonia 
where they're trying to patch up maybe their love life's kind of on the rocks like it is canonically in the games. And, and they're trying to, to, you know, patch it up and go to Paris and stuff like that and have nice dinners, but they kept, keep getting interrupted by Outworlders trying to... Only the, the only way I'll accept that, Josh, is if Channing Tatum plays Johnny Cage and Meg Ryan plays Sonya. Then I'll accept it. it as voices, you mean? Or you think of live action? I'm no, thinking. I'm thinking no, of another no, legend. No, no, I'm talking. I'm, I want to know. I'm thinking another legends movie. But sure, let's do a live action version of that. That sounds good. Just Johnny Cage and, and Sonya Blade having the worst vacation in Paris possible, with lots of action. I think the next legends movie should be a 2000s era road trip movie with the combat kids. I like. Yeah, Jackie and, and Cassie and Kung Jin and Takeda. And we already know what Takeda and Jackie kind of have a thing, right? Uh, and just make it a so there's an awkward little you know love trying love college road college trip road movie. trip movie, dude. Yeah, and you know maybe tied into the Mortal Kombat <laughs> thing, they're going to save the world or something like that. But they have to become good friends first. No, they're going to the next tournament, and then they decide to go the line. Oh yeah, <laughs> I like that. We're, we're spitting all some good ideas here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, weekend at Bernie's with Scorpion. <laughs> he keeps killing people. <laughs> yep. Was oh, that the name of the movie? Yeah, we, you got it right. Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. yeah, there were two of them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, they. Well, I mean, in all seriousness, they 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 have so many characters that they can do, and I would just I think it's a good idea to like focus on people who aren't. Yeah the main roster i guess this bodes well for the future because lol let's do more scorpion and sub-zero but props to them for actually picking kenshi he isn't a completely uh i never thought they would yeah do that. He, he isn't a completely like obscure character like he did have a grand return in 10 but uh maybe that means we'll, we'll start seeing uh no he's not in nine no he's not just nine, 10 no. and then uh sorry his corpse is discoverable in the crypt in 11 no, I really? T- yeah, it's like you forgot when I told you before. I told you before and you had the same reaction. Yeah, he's dead, buddy. Did yeah. I? Dude, I, I have a memory. It might have been It might have been on our MK11 episode, which was a very long time ago. Or or, or might have been... Like two years uh, ago. No, fucking two years. I haven't been doing this two years. <laughs> anyway, Kenshi's dead, but it doesn't matter because time skip. He's going to come back anyway. We just had a movie with him, so you're good. You're good. No one truly dies in MK. I hope this movie does well sales. I do too. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll uh, I'll give it another watch if it comes on HBO just to give it viewership. I'm not about to go buy it again for fifteen. But you bought it. You you bought it, so we go watch it. Maybe I should buy a copy too. I may buy the physical. The fa- ver- I think I'm gonna buy the actually, dude. Yeah, I buy the physical version. So I like it so much. You know what? Yeah, I haven't bought a physical movie in ages too. I should go buy that. Yeah, I'll go buy that. Apparently, he is in MK9. You can see him fighting Dagon, Reiko, Serena, or Frost in the pit too. Oh. Stay. Okay, a little little Easter egg. And Shang Tsung mentions him in the story mode. Okay, okay. Interesting. Just being the next to fight in this tournament after Sub-Zero is taken away to be automated. Oh, so he's there in the tournament. Interesting, yeah. okay. Huh. Well, he's mentioned. I don't think you see oh, him. Oh, okay. Well, you, you see him in the pit, I guess, so. In his MK2011 ending, there's an ironic twist where Kenshi leaves Shang Tsung to die. MK2011? That's MK9. Oh, okay. 
So he's Wait. not a character. Wait, no, he he apparently he had, he was a DLC. Bull character. fucking shit! I'm gonna Google that too. Kenshi in MK9. Yeah, this is Mortal Kombat 11. Okay. 22, 2011, I mean, not 11. DLC. What the Christ? <laughs> well, shows what the fuck we know. I, that's why I felt like he was in 9. I guess I didn't play 9 enough. I just played against Jay. I only played part of the story. I played him a lot in, in X, but I feel like I had, I had played him a bit in 9 as well. Huh. You still have 9, right? Huh. On PC? Yeah. yeah. I guess you'll have to... I wonder if it inc- it's included in your purchase. Wait. Yeah, I'd have to... Oh, shoot. I'd have Here we to, go. Well, I have the complete edition. I have the complete edition, so I should have all In MK2011, Kenshi dons a refined version of his original outfit, but now featuring glowing panels on the back of his hands and a sharper haircut. Yeah, he's one of the DLC characters along with Kratos. Oh, God, you know what? I, I think I remember this, too. I, I remember his portrait. It's coming yeah. back to me. Goddamn. Okay, so is... MKX appearance wasn't out of nowhere. Although Bo Raichos and Tanya's mm-hmm. were. Great great to see them though. Maybe there we go, Natanya, that's another one doing a movie about her. Be in Adenia, probably with Bo Raicho. That would be yeah. cool. Especially with her story with like, you know, being friends with Katana. Yeah, she ties in a lot. What was she was she wasn't friends with Katana, was she? I thought she was. Well she she was Or am I thinking of Jade? About Jade. I think she has Relations to Katana, but I don't know how friendly they are because she, like I said, she. she but isn't she? She's an Adenian. She's too. an Adenian, and she helped Shinnok probably because of circumstance. But she also seemed to really like being evil too. I think she wasn't a very honorable person. Uh. <clears throat> and I, I don't know what her deal was in Ten. I think she's a little more sympathetic there. But anywho, before we be turn into a Tanya podcast, uh, I, I think we ran out of things to talk about with Snowblind. But unless anyone else does, yeah. I have one more thing go for, to ask, go for related to what we were talking about. If you had to pick one character from... No. Yeah, one character from Mortal Kombat history to do the next Legends movie, like, Snowblind-focused type of movie, what would you want it to be? Oh, I well, for me, this is easy. Reptile. Oh, of course. Easy. Hmm. Okay. I think Reptile's story can... I, I think like 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 it hasn't been told enough and it could be something about like basically him and kind of like how he has it because I, I've always felt he's like he's interesting because he starts like in human form from MK1 and then he's like slowly devolving. And even though that's kind of like a more like a fan theory, I would like to see a movie that kind of addresses that in a way that could be fun. I'm not going to say Kung Lao. <laughs> I mean, they've had it. A- Technically, he's had a game. Josh, do you have anybody? Well, I was going to say Cyrax, because I'm a big fan of Cyrax. And I like his humanized, uh, you know, his story. He's more sympathetic. But we saw some Cyrax action in Battle of the Realms, and that might just take us into another Lin Kuei story, which we don't need to see. So then my joke uh, answer was going to be Baraka. Because, <laughs> you know, Baraka's a good guy now. Mm. Uh, and see a sympathetic story with him, as we saw in the Baraka uh, one-shot comic from Malibu, which we all enjoyed. But that's too easy, too. And uh, I'm going to pick... Well, fuck, this is a bad answer, too, but I'm going to pick it, because we don't hear enough about him. Smoke. 
Hmm. I want to. Yeah, smoke okay. smoke cool. has an interesting backstory. He used to just be Sub Zero's buddy, but in the, somewhere along the line, he became. Uh, he, he had a nationality defined. He's from. He's Norwegian, I believe, and he was kidnapped by a cult as a child, and had a demon inserted into him, and he escaped, and then he joined the Lin Kuei. And the demon is why he can make his smoke powers. Let's fucking hear, see a story about that. How about a very spooky, uh, to foreshadow our next episode, uh, a very uh, understated, spooky, M. Night Shyamalan-style Mortal Kombat movie about a fucking cult in the mountains, and Smoke is the main character as a child, and he escapes, and then becomes Smoke. Boom. Whoa. That'd be kind of fun. I've been trying to think of somebody... And I think I'm going to pick these people just because I don't know much about their past. Uh, one would be Fujin. Mm-hmm. I think that would be interesting. Um, and maybe Jackie? Yeah. New character. Get you know, get a little not? more backstory in her. Yeah. More human relatable, yeah. too. Maybe just see her and her life. I want to... Actually, I want to see who her fucking mother is. We never... We hear about her. I think she's dead too, canonically. I mean, there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of like trauma and stuff between her and her. There father. is. I, I guess I didn't remember. So that could be explored. I didn't play all of Ten's stories. So I didn't know about that. I know, I know. Jax is on a farm, and I know by eleven he's quit fighting. Fighting. Uh, I don't know. There was tension between him and Jackie, and I, I think I remember him mentioning. Well, I don't know the tension between them, but it's, it's something traumatic happened. Something traumatic happened with her mother. I think you can make a yes. you can make a real down to earth got some PTSD human story. Uh, surrounded by punching things in metal arms and stuff like that too. But yeah, I'll go with that, Jackie. Yeah. What will we call these movies? Or you could have a you could have a eighties nineties sitcom type of show. With uh, Johnny Cage, Sonia, and Cassie. <laughs> I mean, I'd watch it. Dad, you, family you, you shadow kicked a hole in the wall again. <laughs> oh, you. Or something like that. We get, we get beautiful moments like, you know, Johnny Cage, like teaching Cassie how to do the nut punch. Yeah. yeah. Family bond. Punch him right in the nuts. <laughs> so. But yeah, like at least you know. Do we have anything else that we want to say on um uh, uh on Snowblind? I just think everybody should watch it. I think watch it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I'm going movie. to assume that anyone listening to this already has watched it, and they just want to hear what other people think about it. Yeah. But if you haven't, well, if you're listening to this part, you've already watched it because you did what we said. You went and fucking watched it, and you came back, right? Yeah. You you pay you. You follow the instructions. To if you learn. listen to the whole thing first, uh, hey, props to you. Because also, it's not about the spoilers. It's about the journey. You know, the journey. Although, I'm, I, well, I'm I mean, glad I didn't get spoiled in some things. I was glad I didn't get spoiled with the, the Scorpion. Yeah. Thing, or how yeah. He, well, like, I, I got spoiled on how he killed Aaron Black. But I did not get spoiled on his entrance, which I thought was just badass. Needs to be mentioned again. Yes. So cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, cool. All right. Well, that is our thirtieth episode of the Combat Time Podcast. <laughs> um. Yep. Follow us on all socials and stuff. You know, you know the drill. You know how it is. Um. But yeah. Glad to talk with y'all again. 
Uh, always. And Josh, as always, of course. And Josh, as is tradition, do you have an outro for us? Uh, much like uh, Kwai Lang, I, I have a power and I'm afraid to use it because I don't want to destroy the world. So I will say, maybe for this episode, I don't have an outro. It's because you forgot. No, wait. Maybe if I summon Scorpion first. Let me, I got some gasoline here. Maybe if I burn down my house. Outstanding. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Combat Time Pod. And visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Combat Time Podcast. You can also email us at combattimepodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions you'd like us to answer on the show. See you next time. Mortal Kombat continues. Get over here!